Lord, we are grateful for that great grace that overpowered our sin, removed it from us. We're grateful for quiet moments. Sometimes we think our praise has to be out loud and noticed, but sometimes, God, the best praise we can give you is to sit quietly and reflect and within our hearts say thank you for all your love and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. In less than 24 hours, we'll all have to flip our calendars or put a new one up. The new year, 2024, is knocking at the door, and it will soon be upon us. With that in mind, I'm sure, like me, most of you have asked yourselves question, a question like this. What's the new year going to hold for me? What's going to happen? Now, some of what 2024 will bring or hold for us can be seen and known at least to a certain degree. I mean, I'm pretty sure we all understand we're going to be paying taxes. We're going to be buying groceries, paying utility bills. We're going to understand that the sun, unless something goes really weird, will rise in the east and set in the west. We're probably pretty confident that some of our favorite sport teams will win. But we're also pretty aware of the fact that sometimes they'll lose. You get the picture? Some of the things we can have some ideas about the future, 2024. However... Much of what will come our way in the new year is unseen and unknown. We can guess, we can wonder, we can speculate, but we cannot be certain about much of it. Now for people like me and maybe some of you, (laughs) that's an uncomfortable feeling, one we don't like. And that feeling makes me think of Abram of the Old Testament. Part of his story that I want us to focus on briefly as we begin our message today is found in Genesis chapter 12, the first five verses. Genesis 12, 1 through 5, and it says this. This is the call of Abram from God. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in her harem. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. God calls Abram, who we all know becomes Abraham, the name we know him far better by. He calls him to forge ahead into an unknown future. And this is not too different from what you and I face at the start of each new year. It reminds us that the future is unknown and unseen. 
God's command was that Abraham should gather up his entire family, all his possessions, his livestock, and head to some place that God would reveal to him at a later time. God's command was that he get up and leave all that was familiar, all that was comfortable to him. I feel rather confident that Abram liked that present life in Haran. He had many friends. He had great wealth. He had a high standing in the community. He probably had a pretty good idea what each day was going to be like, what was going to happen. He probably had a plan for his life. He probably knew what to expect expect day by day. And he might have even thought to himself, Hey, you know, Haran, this is nice. God has blessed me big time. I like it here. Man, I've got it made. But as he sometimes does, God interrupts. In his nice orderly life, and God commands him to leave it all behind and go to a new and familiar, unfamiliar place. Now imagine it. Put yourself in Abram's place for a moment. This was a rather extreme order from on high. Such a relocation could not have been an easy move. Imagine the complications, the difficulties, all the logistics that would have to be involved. And if I put myself in Abram's place for a minute, I imagine I would have rationalized a lot. I would have whined and griped a lot, trying my best to get out of this plan that God had. Now, we're not told how much Abraham debated within his own mind or how much he might have argued or tried to bargain with God. All we're told is that Abraham heard God's command and he obeyed it. Look at the trust. Look at the faith that took him. As verse 4 says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Of course, there's more. All the testing, the trying, and all the mechanics and details were certainly there. But there was also that caveat, that little thing that God included in his call. We hear it again in verse 1. Go to the land I will show you. This is a future tense promise. You'll find out later, Abram, where we're going. And it was we, because God was with him. I don't know about you, but that would have been the hardest part of the deal for me. I like to, I think it might have even driven me out of my mind. I like to know details. I like to be in control. Let me tell you a little secret about myself. I've been on many, many mission trips, and all except one of those mission trips to countries out of our own. I've been the planner. I've been the leader. But one particular trip, I was just another traveler. And somebody else was leading and planning. It was nerv- I was nervous <laughs> on that trip. I was on edge. Now, part of that might have had to do that Dory was sitting at home seven months pregnant. But still... I think it was this idea that I didn't know all the plans, I didn't know all the details, and I had to wait for somebody to tell me what's coming next. Much like our friend Abram. Let's face it. That's our situation as we head into the new year. We are not in control, friends. 
We're not. We're not in control. We don't know what all will happen. Now, we assume that some things and some days will go our way, and they probably will. But we also have that nagging and irritating awareness that there will be those other kinds of days as well. There will be difficult days, days with troubles and hardships, days where we're tired and worn out. We're not sure how we're going to carry on. This is just a fact of life as we forge ahead into an unseen and unknown future. Now, this is not just my idea or my creation or mere human opinion. It's the truth of Scripture. Jesus knew that we would have troubles in life, and he told us even to expect them. He also had offered his help for such times. John 16, tells us, as Jesus speaks and says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now I know that there are children in our audience today, as will be in our second service as well, as it's Family Sunday. But adults are not the only ones who have the struggles about an unseen and unknown future. The uncertainties of the future also affect our children. It's something that both kids and grown-ups have in common. Sometimes the mountain just looks too big to climb. Sometimes the hill just seems too steep. We just don't see how we're ever going to get to the top. It's too hard. Sometimes the final stretch just looks too hard to finish. and We don't think we can get it done. Now when those bad times come, Marty has reminded us often in his sermons that the troubles and difficulties in life can come our way from different origins and sources. We believe what the Bible says when it says every good and perfect gift comes to us from God. That's the source of the good things in our life. But what about the bad? What about those hard times? What about the struggles that we have to face? What about those times when we just don't see a way out? What about those times when we think we don't have the strength to make it through? What about the tough times that seem unbeatable, unconquerable? What about the last lap that stands in our way of victory? But let's return to those sources of these things. You see, sometimes our overwhelming difficulties come from our own actions and decisions. We find ourselves in tough times because of what we did. Or what we chose. In essence, we bring these upon ourselves. <laughs> when I was nine year old, nine years old, I got the absolutely brilliant idea after watching episode after episode of the paratroopers on television. I decided it was time for me to join the ranks. So I climbed up on the roof of my house, took my umbrella with me. And you know what I did. Walked down to the edge, held the umbrella up thinking I might be Mary Poppins or something, and jumped. Oh, it hurt. <laughs> it hurt. Now, there were no broken bones, but it hurt. My pain and, of course, my embarrassment because my plan didn't work were right there with me. Now, here's the rub to the story, friends. I tried the same thing two years later. <laughs> Confession is good for the soul. 
But the pain and my embarrassment came from my own silly choice. Sometimes that's the way it works. Sometimes our struggles comes from the actions and the decisions of other people. We can often become the victims because of what other people do. It was my freshman year of Bible college. Several of my friends and I went out to the movies one night. And on our way home, a lady who had been drinking, drinking a lot according as, as I saw it, just started spinning around the road in front of me. Crash. Now, because of that crash, I had to face the things that none of us admittedly like to deal with, do we? I mean, I had to talk to the police, had to deal with the insurance company, I had to deal with the loss of the use of that vehicle while it was towed away and being repaired. And worst of all, I had to call my mom, wake her up, tell her about her car not being available anymore. You see, that lady's decision to drink and drive put me in a bind. It was something she did that caused my hardship. Also, sometimes we find ourselves in tough and difficult spots because of the influence and the pressures of the world we live in. This world is out to get us. And this world is anti-God for the most part. The philosophies of our broken world put us in troublesome places. The values of ungodly thinking make us uncomfortable. And so we watch and we worry and we moan about our morals decaying. We are greatly troubled by the loss of godly values, the absence of biblical truth in our world, and we see society in a free fall that just looks too big for us to overcome. The chaos of our world is discouraging and depressing. And of course, there's one other source of our bad times, and that is we dare not forget that our enemy often has a role in causing us to face trials and hardships. We're under attack by the one the Bible says is out to kill and destroy. He may attack our health, our finances, our relationships. He may throw temptations our ways that we just can't seem to resist. Our enemy has no good in mind for us. Hear that again. Our enemy has no good in mind for us. And so we need to remember the Bible when it tells us he's like a roaring lion on the prowl to devour us. He has no good in mind for us. But no matter the source of our troubles... We know uphill battles will come our way. And so we ask, what wisdom is there for us in the Bible to face and overcome these difficult situations? Well, I want to suggest to you this morning that an excellent place to start is a very interesting section of the book of Psalms. Namely, chapters 120 through 134, all grouped together in those 15 chapters, are what we affectionately know as the songs of ascent. 15 chapters of Psalms are the songs of ascent. Some of your Bibles may even have that caption above those Psalms as you look at it. Now, when we hear the word ascent, we may be just a little confused. 
Because in English, there are two words for assent that are pronounced the same but have greatly different meanings. The song of the of ascent chapters are not spelled A-S-S-E-N-T, which would mean it's something we agree with, concur, approve, or support. Now we do, but that's not the way it's spelled. Rather, the songs of ascent are spelled A-S-C-E-N-T, which means a rising up, a climbing, a going up the hill. So these songs in Psalm 120 through 134 are about conquering, about winning, about victory as we face impossibly difficult uphill situations or settings. The songs of ascent. Why are they called this? Well, they're said in the context of the common and frequent pilgrimage journeys that Jewish families would make from their home to Jerusalem so that they could worship. This was a common thing that happened. And when it happened, large clans of several families would pack up all their relatives and they'd head for Jerusalem to worship. That was a long and arduous journey for many of them. They had that big task of keeping the family kind of all together. Remember when Jesus was found in the temple? Because of the large family, everybody thought he was with somebody else, you know. Of course, they had to avoid all the dangers that travel in that day would have brought along as well. They had to feed everybody. And the journey was largely, for most people anyway, done on foot. It was long and hard to top that off, they've traveled and they're weary and they get near Jerusalem and they start looking. And what do they see? They see a big hill that's left to climb. That's why these are called Psalms of Ascent. These are Psalms that came together as the people were there at the foot of the hill. They'd already traveled hard and long and far. They were weary and tired and worn out. And all they could see was that hill in front of them. We've come this far to face this obstacle that just seems too big, too hard for us to overcome. This is the setting for the Psalm of Ascent we want to look at today from Psalm chapter 121. Psalm 121, a song of ascent. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Oh, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Particularly this morning, I want us to focus on those first two verses. But I ask you to read again Psalm 121 through the week. And pay particular attention to verses 3 through 8. I want to tell you, for years and years and years when I read Psalm 121, I misread it because I wasn't aware of the song of ascent thing. 
And when the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills, I used to think he was saying, oh, I'm going to go look at the mountains. They're beautiful. They're majestic. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to gain my inspiration from nature. Now, nature is a beautiful thing, a majestic thing. And we can gain great inspiration from it. But that's not what's being said here in Psalm 121. I look to the hill. It's some people worn out and weary and facing impossible odds, they think, looking at that hill they've got to climb to get to Jerusalem to worship as they had traveled all that way to do. This is a song about pilgrimage, about a journey, about entering again a new and unseen future. And as they were at the bottom of the hill, they would begin to sing songs. And this is the song they sang. Oh, they said, yeah, we see the problem. We see the difficulty. It's overwhelming. We don't know what we're going to do. We don't know how we're going to reach that desired destination we want so badly. We need help, they cry. Who will help us? Where's our help going to come from? This hill, this year, 2024, it's just too hard. Too many unknowns. But then the answer comes as they remember all that God had done for them since calling them and calling Abram to launch the new nation that we looked at earlier. It was as if it was a big Homer Simpson moment. Duh! The hills, what are we going to do? Oh, yeah. Where are we going to get our help? Oh, yeah. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. They affirmed what they already knew, but somehow it had been blocked for a moment or pushed back because all they could see was the hill. And rather, we need to look at the one who made the hill. And when they did that, they realized, oh, God will help us. He's the one who created this very hill that we're so unhappy about. No hill, no trouble is too big for our God. You see, this is the principal truth about the songs of ascent. The Psalms are telling us, don't let difficulty, don't let uncertainty, don't let your weakness stand in your way of doing and being what it is that God wants you to be and do. He's always nearby, and he's always able to help. But I want us to do a little bit of application with those two verses in Psalm 121. And so I want to ask you first off to think about question one with me. As you look at your hills, what are your personal hills? that deflate you, that discourage you, that make you think it can't be done. I don't know how I'm going to do it. What's ahead for me? What's looming on the horizon for me? What will 2024 and beyond bring for me? As we face these things, the difficult situations, the disheartening realities that might come into our life, what are your hills? What is my hill or my hills? Maybe it'll be a major health concern. Maybe it'll be some kind of employment hassle where you either don't like your boss or that coworker. 
Maybe it's even just having a job, period. Maybe it's family tensions where members of the family are at odds and it's just not what you know your family should be and you want them to be. Maybe it's the bullies in your life. And bullies are present no matter how old you are. Maybe it's a financial crisis or many financial crises. Maybe it's that difficult neighbor that just makes you cringe. Maybe it's those super hard subjects in school you just can't seem to get and don't understand. Maybe it's that ever-worsening world disorder and chaos that keeps surrounding us and we hear more and more about every day on the news. Maybe your hill is learning that new instrument you're trying to learn. Or maybe your hill is that sporting skill that you want to master so you can shine on the court. Maybe it's that little bit of computer knowledge or skill that you need to rise to the top of that. Whatever your hill may be. We could go on and on with our list. But the truth is this. We will all face some hills that just seem too tall and too steep, too ominous for us to face on our own. But with God's help, we can make it to the top. The second question I want you to think with me for a minute like those Israelites, overwhelmed by what, looked at what was ahead of them, ask about who their help was going to be. That's the question I want us to ask ourselves today. Who are we going to turn to for help? Who are we going to look to for help? Oh, there are many options people can look at. But there's only one best option. And I don't know about you, But if I've got a choice, I think I want to choose the best option. Those Jewish pilgrims may have been just a little slow with that answer, but they finally realized that the absolute best source of help in any difficult or troubling or unknown or unseen situation is our God. Why? Because we're never out of his sight. We never go out of his mind. He loves us and his love endures forever. He possesses the sovereign qualities and abilities to help us that only he has. Even if we think we're in an impossible situation, our God is there. Our God is omnipotent, meaning he is all-powerful. He can do it all. Nothing, the Bible tells us, is impossible for him. No matter how steep the hill, no matter how unknown and scary... This next year may seem he can do what needs to be done. Our God is omnipresent, meaning that he's everywhere all the time. He can be with you while he's with me. He can be solving this person's problem and this person's problem and this person's problem all at the same time because our God is omnipresent. He is near us. He never forsakes us. He is, as Jesus said, would be with us always. God is by our side. And we don't have to face that hill alone. Our God is omniscient, meaning he's (laughs) all-knowing. I love this quality of God because I know that he knows all and he sees all. Oh, I see the inch in front of me, maybe. And I see the little stuff, maybe. 
but not so of our God. He sees it all. He sees the big picture, the all and all. And he sees the tiniest little detail as well because he is omniscient. He is all-knowing. And if you want to be reminded of those three qualities, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, and his omniscience, just turn back to Psalm 121 and look at those later verses 3 through 8 and see how God declares his strength and his power and how he will always be with us and never leave us alone. Whatever struggles 2024 may hold, don't try to go it alone. It just won't work. Don't rely on your own strength. Like those weary and hard-pressed pilgrims at the bottom of that huge hill, call out for God. He will hear. He will not ignore. He will not withhold. He will not disappoint The mountains of 2024 are no match for our God. Don't be afraid. Don't be disheartened. He will come through as only he can and as he always does. Again, remember the praise in this song of ascent. Where's my help going to come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the very creator of everything that is, the God who made something out of nothing is our help. Oh, there's no hill ahead of you that God can't help you climb. And so forge ahead like Abram, leaving Haran and going to the promised land. Forge ahead into that unseen and unknown future with God at your side. When it comes to 2024, take this attitude. Look out, hills. Here we come. And when I say we, I mean me and God together with his mighty power at work. The unseen, the unknown future, walk with God and let him help you as only he can. How do we do that? How do we do it? Well, part of the answer is where our vision sits. What do we look at? Do we look at the mountain? Do we look at the hill? Do we look at the busy schedule? Do we look at the lack of money? Do we look at the difficulties we have? If that's all we see, where are we going to go? But we need to instead cast our vision on the Lord. See Him. Remember Him. Think about all He has done and has continued to promise to do. That'll be your help and strength for 2024, whatever it may hold. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you've never obeyed the Lord, named him as Savior, confessed his name, repented of your sins, been baptized into his uh, family, the church, then we would offer you the opportunity as we stand and sing this hymn of invitation. Or if you've got a decision about your church membership, we'd welcome that as well. Whatever decision may be made, let's make it. Come forward as we sing if you've got a decision to make.